The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. Uh, good to be back on the East Coast for the weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and it's World Cup time. Let's get it. All right. Know the Score is being brought to you by CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also find us on Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. You can follow the show's Twitter account on Twitter at KTSPod. You can follow Dwayne on Twitter at The Libra Icon. And you can follow me on Twitter at Don DeLorente. So, Dwayne, we had a Triple Crown winner this past uh, weekend as Justified. Won the Belmont um, pretty easily. Actually, the rider didn't really put the whip to him until maybe like the last like 50 yards or so. Um, just, the, you know, the, the pack of horses around him. Basically, he was just running his race easy and free. So that's um, I think that's two triple crown winners in the last four years, both trained by uh, Bob Baffert. So all of a sudden he's got the magic potion after coming up short so many times. So uh, did you get a chance to see this? I was at work at the time, but I definitely kept up with it. This was one of the great, you know, it was very, very awesome to see now, you know, for many, many years since, uh, I want to say affirmed in 1978, we did not have a Triple Crown winner. Um, and it was been... And we went on the drought. Now we got two in the last four years. I think it's um, a pretty remarkable job by Bob Baffert. I think, like you said, the um, the magic potion he finally has found it, and and to win, you know, two of the two of the last uh, four with American Pharaoh now justify. It's been a pretty great thing because like I said uh, before American Pharaoh uh, affirmed and Seattle Slough were the were the uh, last two and they were back to back so uh, are we going to see more triple crown winners probably not I think it's still one of those rare feats to go through three prestigious races over uh, most time you know with the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. So, but it's a great story, nonetheless. Now, Justify gets to go, go off into the sunset. Uh, gets to breed, have his, live his life, and sire some future winners. Oh, yeah, here. man, it's it's got to be a great life to be a champion, winning Triple Crown racehorse. They all of a sudden give you the best living you could possibly have. And uh, they just let you have all the best marriage you could possibly have in hopes that you can produce a an offspring that can do the same thing. And, uh, you know, it's worth lots and lots of millions of dollars. I heard something ridiculous like $50 million or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, breeding rights for, for Justify. So, you know, congratulations to him, Bob Baffert, the owner. And, you know, we'll see what comes up next year. That's the cool thing is that every year it's a new set of players. So, you know, you just fall in love with the horse for just this, like, you know, month and a half, and then they can become, like, an all-time legend. 
Mm-hmm. With exactly. just, just that little bit of work. So we'll shift over to some NBA stuff as, of course, now that the season is over, all the, you know, hot stove stuff is starting to percolate, front office maneuvers, free agency draft, all that stuff is coming up. So the Pistons finally filled their vacant head coaching spot with Dwayne Casey, formerly of the Toronto Raptors. So it's cool that a black coach can be a retrade coach, you know, big ups for the NBA for finally, you know, letting that be uh, a part of it. Next, though, is um, how does Dwayne Casey's style of basketball fit with the way that Stan Van Gundy has this roster, which is a bunch of three-point shooters and a quasi-big man? Well, this will be a good question, uh, but he does have a quality big man in Andre Drummond, so you can really look at it as Andre Drummond is a better Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Blake Griffin's a better Serge Ibaka, and it's going to be the front three positions, really, the small forward, uh, shooting guard, and point guard. Uh, Reggie Jackson is still the point guard, if he can stay healthy. Uh, maybe he could be a poor man's Kyle Lowry, or if, uh, or if you know, you go into the shooting guard area. I don't know if you have a DeMar DeRozan like player at the two, or at the three with uh, with a uh, OJ Anubi or or someone else of that sort. So it's going to be interesting to see what holes they do fill in that area. Uh, I don't even know if the Pistons still have a GM unless Casey's going to take over those responsibilities as well. Um, with that being said, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see who the Pistons get in the draft, who they decide to go with. Um, it can work. It can work. And, I like the fact they gave him a five-year deal. Uh, we'll just have to see if this team can uh, really turn it around. So, uh, as Stefanski, he's the president of the Pistons. But right now, um, there's no general manager at the moment. But I think they got the coach before the draft. So, now it's just a matter of getting the right guys, get his like coaching staff to follow him or or you know or if they're gonna um go elsewhere at this point yeah the pistons uh had a very curious uh coaching search they they were you know shaking a lot of trees uh i, I think uh john beeline the university of michigan coach he got an interview kenny smith got an interview chauncey billups got an interview uh so they were kind of you know going far and wide for a coach, but they settled on Dwayne Casey and, and we'll see because, you know, Stan Van Gundy, you know, he had his roster set up the way he likes to play. And uh, that's really not the case of Dwayne Casey. So we'll see how he can make these, you know, might not get a good evaluation of him in this first year, but maybe years two and three, he'll be able to put something together for the Pistons. So that leaves the Toronto Raptors to fill their coaching vacancy and they promoted their top assistant, Nick Nurse, to become the head coach. So he moves up one seat to take over the Wayne Casey spot. So tell me about uh, Nick Nurse. Uh, 
Dwayne, some of the things that, that he's accomplished that the uh, Raptors feel strong about for him getting this promotion. Yeah, so Nick Nurse is um, he's pretty much a basketball lifer. Um, went straight into coaching after playing in Northern Iowa. He is a uh, two-time NBA D-League, D now G-League champion. Uh, he won the 11th title with Iowa Energy. And then he won the 13th title with uh, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. So he's very experienced. He's uh, familiar with the young with the young mind. It's a fresh face. I like the hire. Uh, do I like the timing of the hire? No, because, I mean, he did go through a lot of players before you ultimately decided on um, ultimately deciding on promoting Nick Nurse, but um, he's, he knows this team. I mean, he's been with the Raptors since 2013, um, and so being a being a uh, an assistant and knowing, knowing what this team likes, their tendencies, and make it to, and then he gets to implement his own style into it as well. So we're going to see a if uh, uh, the coaching tree of Dwayne Casey ends up being successful. All right. Um, over this week, the much anticipated meeting between Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich happened. And the aftermath is, is the reports are saying that Kawhi Leonard wants to be traded. He wants to be released out of San Antonio. And the rumors say that the Lakers are his destination of choice. So, of course, that means that the Lakers would have to put together a package of uh, young talent to trade over to San Antonio. So that probably means that Cal Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and Alonzo Ball probably will be playing elsewhere if this does go down. So talk about the ramifications of uh, Kawhi Leonard first uh, breaking off from uh, San Antonio and kind of being the first player that they've kind of deemed as their franchise player to kind of break away from that culture. Well, well, first off, I mean, this is a bizarre situation because of the way the injury has been handled by the Spurs. I mean... There's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion if you don't feel comfortable. It is at the end of the day, Kawhi's body, and if he's not happy with with his uh, arrangements, um, getting a second opinion on his quad. Uh, I don't. I heard that the meeting with uh, Popovich hasn't happened just yet. Oh, it still uh, it's gonna, it still hasn't happened. It still hasn't happened. So, oh, so this is premature uh, to even the meeting. Oh, so this is just right. oh yeah, this yeah. is pure speculation then. Right? Yeah, right okay. now it's just pure speculation. See, the way I heard it reported was that they had the meeting and then he came out of the meeting and this was what was the you know thing in the yeah. meeting is that okay, I'm good pitch, it, but I'm it still might unhappy. have been it, it might have been the meeting with um, R.C. Buford, the Spurs general manager. Okay. Um. And uh, maybe some other um, prominent members in the Spurs organization, but I would say also the because we remember this time last year, the Marcus Aldridge was in the same boat. I mean, it's a different situation, but the Marcus Aldridge wanted to be traded back to Portland. Like he actually contacted Damian Lillard and was like, "Well, I want to come talk to Neil O.C. see if I can come back to Portland." 
But I'm about to talk about Popovich. You know, Aldridge ended up having one of the best seasons of his career. Now, I think maybe Greg Popovich can get him to come around, but Kawhi is going to be losing money at the end of the day because the Spurs can offer him the most money with the Supermax deal, which would be $219.5 million over a seven-year period. And then you have, at the same time, this uh, this destination, the desire to go to the West Coast. I mean, Kawhi is a Southern California guy. He's from there. He went to San Diego State. He would love to go be in L.A. I mean, who would want to be in L.A.? Who would want to be a Los Angeles Laker with all the banners and the numbers and the legacy of Showtime and the possibility of having a LeBron James, uh, Paul George, like this Laker team could really just vault their way up to the to the top of the favorites list, and there may be nothing we can do about it. I mean, but. This, this, uh, I think we just got to see if, if A, he talks to Greg Popovich, B, who do they bring in? Do they bring in somebody to uh, replace him or do they just keep it going? Yeah, because, you know, here's the, I guess they could play this ultimate game of chicken where just because you demand to be traded, we don't necessarily have to trade you. You know, now you could then, you know, it can get dicey with you not playing and you not getting paid and all that and so forth and so on. So, you know, if nobody comes to them with a, you know, very enticing offer, you know, they don't necessarily have to trade them. Um, But with it being known that he's, quote unquote, unhappy and things are out there, that just means that more teams besides the Lakers are going to get in on this. So, you know, Boston is, is a team that everybody's starting to say is going to be in on it that, you know, they may actually be the one to foil the plan because they've got all the draft picks and everything that they can use to, to get in, to get in there. So uh, talk about just kind of, if the Lakers aren't the team kind of some other places that you see, maybe it could work. Well, I think we have a good, um, a chance for Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia has a team, the assets, uh, not, they don't have the assets like the Boston Celtics do, but um, Philadelphia, if he was to get traded, I would be looking at the Sixers. They may not have a GM, but Brett Brown has connections with the Spurs. He is a disciple of Pop. He is a he is not just a disciple of Pop, but he is also a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um he also has that um, chemistry factor. You know, a lot of the players in Philadelphia respect Brett Brown. They respect what he's done. I mean, look at the look at the playoff run they went on all the way to the finals of the Eastern Conference with a with a huge winning streak. And how do you? You know, add pieces and subtract pieces as well, but ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. 
it's gonna be a pretty wild um, NBA off season and NBA season to begin with. Yeah, so of course, uh, with the Kawhi news breaking, that you know ties directly into, of course, LeBron James. Everybody has been speculating that wherever if this was to happen, that Kawhi Leonard was to kind of play this hand that he wanted to get out of San Antonio. That kind of wherever Kawhi Leonard went, that's where LeBron would wind up and maybe Paul George as well. So like you said, the Lakers would be, you know, the team with the most young players and the money to free up the, you know, the the spots to get three premier players. But again, how does this work, though? Because a lot of people are talking about maybe because he's a free agent that Boogie Cousins may end up being the third man and not necessarily Paul George in this little, um, you know, three stars going to one place in, in free agencies. Yeah. So, with the, I mean, we kind of we look at it like this. The LeBron kind of started this whole super team thing. I mean, you could argue the Boston Celtics did it, but they – that was facilitated through a trade. Um, you know, a lot of people say that um, if it wasn't for Paul Pierce demanding getting help, they wouldn't have got Garnett and Allen. But they did that through a trade. The Boston did give up a lot to get the big three. Then LeBron uh, formed that super team in Miami with uh, Wade and Boss, and now they got the Golden State Warriors on. You know, it's one of those things where it may not be overall good for the game, but it does create for great storylines. And and so you get the drama. You get the drama, you get the passion, you get the intensity. And, and then it's like other teams, they want to play because they want to get their best shot all the time. And... I just don't think it's going to happen. And that's just the reality of the situation, I think. It's just uh, super teams are, to an extent, running the NBA. But if you're going to stop these guys from teaming together, you got to stop them in, in the playoffs and go there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's going to be tough because, you know, the Warriors are at a, are at a, at a spot where as, as they, they can just keep, as long as they keep Steph and KD, then, you know, if they can just always add a third guy, like, you know, the just crazy off-the-wall rumors talking about, um, even though we know New Orleans wouldn't do this because we're coming off of a, um, you know, playoff run. But trading for Anthony Davis, where they would trade Draymond and Clay and probably Jordan Bell, and try to get Anthony Davis to go with Clay uh, to go with Steph and KD. But you know that's just the wild rumor mill of the offseason, You know, stirring up possibilities. But you know they're in that position where you know they're getting to that point where it's either pay a whole bunch in this luxury tax and double repeater tax and accelerated tax. Where at some point, if they try to keep it together long term, they're going to be paying more in tax than they are for salary. And and so I don't think, you know, so at some point they're going to either just lose these guys to free agency um, or they're going to trade them and try to, you know, get another t- top tiered player. So 
it'll be interesting to see kind of how the arms race keeps accelerating in the uh, NBA. This is right. oh, this is know the score. I'm here with the Libra icon Dwayne. I'm your host Don Delorente. The U.S. Golf Championship is going on right now, and Tiger Woods misses the cut. He shoots a ten over par at the U.S. Open. And he's packing his bags and he's headed back home to Florida. Um, didn't get started on a good note for Tiger on the first day. He got a triple bogey to start off his uh, U.S. Open. And uh, as we know, it, the course only gets harder from there. So um, just not a good not a good showing for Tiger. He kind of been playing better leading up to this. People thought that he you know, would really be maybe be a player. Uh, this weekend, but not the case. So as you talk about Tiger Man, uh, seems like he can't get consistent. He gives us a few flashes of brilliance for a round or a few holes, but he just doesn't have that consistency like he used to. I'm just going to say this again. Retired Tiger. Um, the This U.S. O was a disaster. And because it was such a disaster in the train ride, um, you know, you didn't go on 10 over par and, you know, missing the cut. I don't know. going to be saying much of this, but uh, ever since he got caught up, Tiger Woods got caught up, it has not been the same for him. And, and it just might be time to, you know, maybe go on the senior PGA Tour or just hang it up altogether. I just... I really have nothing for this, but that, but just that to say. <laughs> um, the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, is playing like it. Uh, currently, he is at uh, four under. He leads the tournament by five shots, or four shots, rather, because uh, there are two guys tied at even par. But uh, that's pretty much an uh, uh, insurmountable lead here at the U.S. Open because it's just so hard to make birdies on this particular course. He would really have to just you know, have a meltdown to kind of give this back in the next couple of days. But, you know, this course is the hardest course, you know, that they'll play, you know, in the season. So anything's possible. All right. So we'll get on to our World Cup coverage. It's yes. been very interesting watching Fox try to promote this uh, World Cup without the United States being involved in the, the tournament this go round. So they've kind of had to kind of do this kind of we are the world kind of um, promotion as far as, hey, everybody's got some place else. You know, y'all are all from someplace else and they're all represented in the World Cup. So cheer for them. So it's been pretty interesting watching this uh, this promotional um you know, campaign for Fox, but they actually got an all-time classic World Cup game, though, as we had Spain face off against Portugal as both teams' opening game, and Ronaldo did not disappoint. He scored a hat trick, and Portugal earned a draw, three to three, with Spain in their opener. Uh, it was basically, you know. It was touted going into the game. If Ronaldo isn't special, Portugal isn't going to have a chance in this game. And uh, Ronaldo was more than special. He was world-class, world-class. Ronaldo, for the first three World Cups that he was in, 2006, 2006, 2010, 2014, three goals. Then he gets a hat trick in the first game of this World Cup. Uh, he's just showing he's the best in the world. And... and 
He's literally putting Portugal on his back against a very, very game Spain team who is actually playing on the fly with the new manager because they fired the manager a day before the World Cup began, two days before their first game, because he took the job at Real Madrid. So without telling anybody on top of that. So um, considering the distractions, Spain did a great job. Uh, Ronaldo was amazing. I really just loved that third kick. I think had the Spanish defender stayed upright and not moved his head, he probably would have blocked it with his face. And we wouldn't be talking about a 3-2 win. It's more like a 0-1 now. So I think at the end of the day, um, both Portugal and Spain are going to move on in their group, even though this draw did kind of catch them off guard, but they know what to expect at this point. They're going to adjust and do well. In watching this game, it dawned on me why Americans aren't really that into soccer. Because we don't have anybody as good as Ronaldo that plays for our team. If we, if we had somebody that good that played for the United States, everybody would be into it because, I mean, he started off the scoring like four minutes into the game. Um, Spain rallied back, tied it. Then he scored again to put him ahead. Then Spain came back with two in a row to get the lead. And then, you know, he got that free kick uh, with, you know, just a handful of minutes left in, in the time and uh, and just bended it perfectly and put it in the back of the net. And then we have a, you know, all-time classic game, very entertaining, uh, six goals between the two teams and the best player in the world showed up and uh, showed out. So we'll contrast that with Argentina and Lionel Messi as they were disappointing in a 1-1 draw with Iceland in their first game of the World Cup. Uh, Messi uh, got a PK, penalty kick, got blocked. Uh, that definitely would have won this game for uh, Argentina, as this was a game that they were definitely favored to win. Uh, and Messi didn't play his best. So um, a lot of people are down on Messi, especially, especially after the brilliant game that Ronaldo had to so just kind of talk to us about Argentina and, uh, you know, how this kind of hurt, maybe hurts their chances uh, going forward in the World Cup in a game that they should have won, but they only get one point instead of three. Right. This is correct. So, I mean, one point is better than zero, but when you're favored in the Argent, as the Argentines were against a uh, squad like Iceland, who's not a bad squad. I mean, this is one of the better teams they have fielded, but when you draw against a team that's heavily favored like um, like um, Argentina, then you have to flex your muscle and show why your T-shirts are fake. Uh, t-shirts uh, that you're better than this. You got you, cause Messi has had a history of not playing well internationally and this is supposed to be his last hurrah, so you think he'll have a better showing, but missing a penalty kick, especially, you know, when you're tied with um Cristiano Ronaldo for pretty much your whole career. Like it's either gonna be Ronaldo or Messi or Messi or Ronaldo and you know, right now it's Ronaldo who's got the edge. I mean, he made his penalty kick, and then 
this happens to Messi, and then Argentina's always seem to have the worst luck in the World Cup. So, um, but the uniforms look good; they look good in the kits. So, I might cop one myself. Um, but it's been a really interesting first couple days. These games have been very, very good, and I can't wait for more action. Is there a particular group or a particular team that we should be focusing on? Uh, because, you know, uh, it's still going to be about a week before it looks like before everybody plays their first game here and we, right. and we you know, start moving towards the knockout round. So, you know, it's going to be quite a while before we get to, you know, some teams that are going to be eliminated. But kind of is there a group that maybe, you know, all the games are going to be really tight and really good to watch? Yeah, so the groups, um, the group that I would say, uh, of course, Group A, they have the host country, Russia. Uh, Uruguay should take that group. Um, Russia and Saudi Arabia um, and I think Uruguay and Russia will be good in Group A. Probably the best uh, group in the field is actually probably the Group B, which we saw Portugal and Spain. Uh, just off the strength of Ronaldo and the Spanish and the 2010 World Cup winning Spanish squad. Um, I would say Croatia and Argentina should be the ones getting out of Group D. Uh, France is a good... France is actually a a decent um, pick and the dark horse of the tournament, I also think, is Belgium there in Group G uh, with England. That's one to watch out for. But the best group out of all of them has to be Group F. I mean, you got Germany, you got Mexico, you got Sweden all in that group. So uh, Germany and Mexico, that's going to be a very fun matchup when that goes down. Uh, so I'd say Group G, uh, Group C, and Group B. Those are the ones you want to really look out for. And the team to watch is Belgium. They're loaded. They are right there. They're like the team that's like right at the – They're you got the elites like Spain, France, Brazil, and um, Germany. Belgium is right in that second tier with um, England and, and um, Argentina. So – and a, and an even more dark horse will be Peru as well. So, watch out for those countries. Peru has a, a very interesting story of their captain who was suspended for um, a banned for drugs for a year. He uh, he pulled the Gordon Baker bone. He was drinking that coca leaf tea and uh, mm-hmm. got popped. And so anyway, uh, so then the ban got reduced to six months. Then he got reinstated and then on the day where they came together to take the you know team picture for the world cup team the band got reinstated at full max so then they had this campaign from all the other teams in his group and the president of the country and you know basically the politics and so he's reinstated to play in the world cup and uh, peru has their captain and so that gives them a legitimate chance to advance in their group um, so, you know, he's probably got the, you know, the most interesting story leading up to, um, these games as far as, you know, it looked like he was in and he was out then he was back in and he was out and now he's back in again. So 
Right. And and it looks like yeah, he's he's in and he's on and ready to play and and uh this will be one of the biggest tests for for Peru and this will be uh time to see what can happen from here. Yep, yep, so Yep. So some very interesting matchups, like you said, that uh, Germany uh, Mexico game uh, for opening game is you know really a marquee matchup, just like that Spain Portugal game was. You know, a really tough game to start off. You don't just kind of get the ease in like Russia did. Played Saudi Arabia, put up a five spot. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we'll be you know keeping you on top of the World Cup. Uh, what's this thing like a month and a half, right? Right. Yeah, so we'll have plenty of World Cup talk here on Know the Score. So at this time, Dwayne, I'm going to open it up to you, man, for your final thoughts. Thank yous and shout outs. Uh, thank you. Thank you, as always, to the CSPN for the opportunity. Uh, thank you, Don. Thank you uh, to Jesse and Nabai. Shout out to them, as always. Uh, thank you to the listeners. Wouldn't be here without you. Uh, shout out to the CSPN family. And my final thought is really uh, the swan dive that is the New York Mets. At one point, it was pretty good. Everybody was healthy. The The start was amazing. But, you know, at this point, it's just gone so far south. And it's just time. It might be time to get offload some people and do it all over again. But we shall see. Um, just depends on if everybody can get back on time and but if I don't set myself up for any expectations I would not be disappointed so that's my approach with the Mets at this point I'm just ready for football season and fantasy football (laughs) all right Um, my final thought will be also baseball related as unfortunately Japanese superstar and Los Angeles Angels phenom Sho Atani will be done for the season as he's probably going to have to have Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, he ruptured the uh, UCL in his elbow, or I think he tore it a small tear minus here, but he's going to have to have surgery or for the very least be shut down for the season. Um, it was very unfortunate because uh, he was just starting to kind of heat up with the bat and he was starting to pitch very good too. And, um, you know, we're getting close to the all-star game and he was definitely going to be an all-star. So it would have been a pretty cool showcase for him to maybe, you know, pitch an inning and bat in the same inning. That would have been, you know, pretty cool occurrence, but uh, we'll have to maybe wait for next year. And that's going to make an interesting point about how they're going to use him next year. After he goes through this Tommy John surgery, is he just going to strictly, strictly stick to being a pitcher or are they still going to let him, you know, hit as well? So uh, hopefully he has a full recovery and we'll have to wait to 2020 to see him because that's a year long recovery for injury like that. So, um, hopefully, you know, speedy recovery to him and he'll be back as good as new in 2020. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to you, Dwayne, for joining me this afternoon. I'd like to give a shout out to Jesse and Abias, to everybody here on CSPN. I uh, just want to let everybody know, please 
uh, support our sponsors. Uh, this week's show is being brought to you by Blue Apron. Visit CSPN.us. Click on the menu that says uh, support the podcast. Scroll down to Blue Apron. Uh, you can get meals sent to your house, uh, fresh food. If you're trying to diet and don't want to, don't know what to buy, just, you know, be healthy. It's a great way to do that. And you'll get $30 off your first purchase when you sign up. So please, uh, you know, start your Blue Apron adventure through CSPN.us. So, for the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.